welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we get to welcome back the man of many hats and someone whose calendar is as stacked as the skills under his belt. Whether it's podcasting, streaming, or any geek-related business, our guest is the man for the job. We're delighted to welcome back the Rob Logan to the show. Welcome back, Rob. Welcome, Rob. Your intros never disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> that, I can't tell you how happy that makes me feel because Jude could speak to this before oh, your, your co-host, Katie Peters, before we had her on. I think Jude and I spent, what, three days figuring out how we were going to do intros like that? Oh, easily. easily. You know what? <laughs> it might have been more than three days just because we had to reschedule Katie. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just because of that alone, I think it ended up being like more than three days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate that, man. But, um, you know, I've, it's been a while since we've had you on. And I was thinking about it. The last time you were here, uh, we talked a lot about the podcasting side of your endeavors. Mm. But- Given your recent streaming push, I was wondering if you could shed some light on how that's been going and let the listeners know the sort of experience you're creating over on Twitch. Yeah, uh, so far it's been pretty great. Uh, I haven't probably had numbers like this in a couple of years, which has been nice to see. And you know from the streaming world how even just having a consistent schedule makes a tremendous difference in viewership. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, I've been streaming four days a week, um, usually at like 10 a.m. in the morning, uh, although the biggest and most consistent thing that I have been doing, if other streams do fall away, the thing that I always do for any wrestling fans out there is I've been doing a uh, an online WWE 2K19 wrestling league. So anybody that is a viewer in chat, as long as they hang around long enough, they can earn enough uh, loyalty channel points to where they can unlock a custom wrestler. So we have an, an entire league made up of original characters where... Uh, a viewer will ask to have their wrestler. I'll send them a form. They fill out some details and I create a wrestler and then we let the AI duke it out and I just do commentary over the matches. So I don't know who's going to win. They don't know who's going to win. And it's a surprise to everybody, but the show's always good. Hey, that is so much fun. It I, really is. I got to sit in and watch one Wednesday and, it, and it's weird for me and, and Rob, you know, as, as, as being a, a teaching as well, I get home uh, the girls have the the their practice, and by the time I can settle in, it was so much fun the night I got to sit. And it reminded me of the days when I was watching WWE, and yeah. and the commentary was fantastic. And I, I was it, it really got into it. It was so fun. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. It's a, it's an absolute blast. Yeah, I I've I've gotten a chance to sit on a few of them as well, and and just to speak to the power of your excellent voice and your commentary as well, like. I've never really been into wrestling. Every time I've been in there, it has been incredible to watch the the commentary you add to the chaos of what the simulations are creating. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put part of that in my. I was a pro wrestler for seven years, so uh, a lot of that I bring into my my wrestling knowledge in the actual commentary. Um, but e- even if you're not into wrestling, just being able to choose a wrestler or to have one representing you gets you so much more invested. So it's really kind of open and fun for everybody. I hope. Oh yeah, I imagine so. So I listened. Oh, I don't remember which podcast it was now. It was one that you interviewed on, and you talked about your pro wrestling career. Oh, I'm sure I'm it's come to, up a few times. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to, to have to look it up. It, it was really great, and you you talked about that, but you talked about gaming and what got you into games. Oh, what was it? You were with oh, somebody? was it maybe where Pumpkinberry was interviewing me? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, and it was, but I, I listened to that and it was like two days later I got to see it. So it was just such a cool connection uh, for me to have that. I watched WW, well, it was WWF at the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was late 90s. And so it was like when the corporation was big, you know, and the rock was not the people's champ and it was the corporate champ. And, <laughs> and you had all of that storyline and you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin was at the height. Uh, and we went to a pay-per-view event, me and a buddy and my brother. And it was a fully loaded event. And that was really cool. We were just out of the section where you got to keep your own chairs. We were on the floor oh, just man. behind there. And then the big WrestleMania in the Astrodome. I had, we all had tickets for that. And my transmission went out on me on the drive. No. And I missed it. Oh. Yes. <laughs> That's brutal. So, yeah, but it's so much, and those events are so much fun live too. They really are, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if uh, if anybody listening is interested in that, you should definitely check that out over on Twitch.tv/slash The Rob Logan. Um, but you know, I also wanted to take time to talk about this. Uh, clearly, the people who listen to the show are the type of people who like listening to podcasts about TV show. So uh, you know, you run a, a great podcast covering the Orville called Quantum Drive, and. I mentioned earlier your co-host Katie Peters. Um, you two recently put out a new episode to help bridge the gap between seasons. How did it feel to be back? And how hard has the wait between seasons been? It's been so hard. We are dying, <laughs> dying for the new season like every Orville fan is. Um, we were lucky enough that they're, they're releasing some graphic novels to kind of bridge season two and season three. And there's a couple more coming down the pipe too. So we're mm-hmm. going to be doing reviews for those as well on the podcast. Um, but we've also been fortunate enough to where uh, one of the producers of the TV show actually wrote the graphic novels. And after seeing that we had released an episode on them, DM'd us and said, hey, I'd love to come on the podcast. So we're going to oh, be setting great. that up in the near future, too. And uh, very excited for that. That's incredible. That that's is re- awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. We've had a couple people on from the crew so far. Uh, one of the uh, co-producers. Uh, one of the art directors, uh, someone from the visual effects department. So they kind of know us over there, which is pretty wild. Uh, but it, I, I think it's it's created a nice uh, a nice communication and trust between our show and the actual show that we're talking about, which is kind of mind blowing again. But we're we're mm-hmm. very uh, very happy to have that communication going. Mm-hmm. That is great. Well, and you listen, so you know, like our the anniversary podcast, we talked about the goals for us and having someone like that on our pod. Mm. So we're, well, obviously it'll be Kevin Feige super fan first, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, why waste time? You know, he's a little shy, <laughs> of course, but we well, know he's listening, <laughs> you know, Hey, straight to the top, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know that, uh, that is really cool. Cause I know not to speak uh, for you and Katie, but I know with us in this show and the MCU, we, there's a part of us that kind of aims to be kind of like that companion piece mm-hmm. and how better than to have people who actually worked on the media that you're talking about. So that's really cool. I'm glad that you two have been able to find that. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been it's been really exciting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, again, the podcast is called Quantum Drive. If you're a fan of the Orville, you should definitely check it out. It's available on most podcatchers or the So 
Moving on, if you've downloaded this episode, you know that we are going to be discussing the latest episode of Loki, uh, Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Journey into Mystery. So before we begin, Rob, if we could get just a quick overview of how you are feeling about the season, uh, that'd be great before we move into pre-spoiler thoughts. Sure. Um, This is a show that I maybe was not looking forward to as much as the others that we've gotten up to this point. I like Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was such a wild card show, though, especially knowing that we were going to be getting a version of Loki that we've seen from the past and not necessarily our Loki. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea what their kind of intent or direction was. I almost imagined like a uh, a quantum leapish time traveling yeah almost like cop show and it didn't even end up becoming that it kind of presented itself like it might be that way right and then it didn't go in that direction either so um but it's been a fun ride so far for sure yeah i'm so glad you brought up quantum leak i remember watching (laughs) quantum leap and loving that show Mm -hmm. all all reruns on my watch on the usa network yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) well cool so i think we can go ahead and get into these pre-spoiler thoughts Again, if you are new to the show, we always have uh, a section to talk about the episode without getting into spoilers. Uh, That way, if you haven't seen it yet, you can be safe to listen until we get to the audio cue, which will bring us into the spoiler zone. So before we get there, uh, Rob, if we can start with you, what were your pre-spoiler thoughts of this episode? All right. So to lay my cards right out on the table, uh, compared to the rest of the season, I did not love this episode. Um, I felt that there were a lot of good character moments and a lot of stuff happened, but I also feel like very little was accomplished in actually moving the story forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go second just cause I, it, it felt like a filler episode mm-hmm. for me, which, which I thought the same thing about episode three being kind of a filler episode. And while I agree, okay, did it really drive story plot forward no but I, I do think we learned a lot about the characters but but yeah i it, it's this episode for me was really weird because there was elements of while i you know listening to the pod until i had my issues with the series i didn't hate the episode yeah you know it, it's it's like they found a way to make me as one episode be like what is this and the next episode be like oh okay i you know i'll i'll buy in um, but it, it's definitely, you know, um, it felt filler. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the best way that I can put my pre-spoiler thoughts, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, I think this episode broke me in like in a good way. And mm. I, I think it's because there's a level of absurdity to it that this episode is dealing with that I think it helped shake me out of the weeds that I've been stuck in this entire season. And I think it gave me a clear view of what this show is has been really interested in this season. And I do agree to a, an extent with what you two have been saying about it being filler episode. I think the thing that kept me from going that far down the line is just feeling like it's less of a start and stop between the last episode and this episode and just more of a continuation of what they've been doing with these um proving grounds if you will which mm-hmm. i can i can explore a little bit more of that when we get into the spoiler zone but yeah okay so i don't know i i think i personally needed this episode <laughs> as yeah. as as up and down as i've been this season yeah well you know what and i had one more thought but i want to wait and i'll say it immediately after the spoil after the sound <laughs> all right well that sounds perfect let's uh let's go ahead and go to the spoiler zone so 
like we said, audio cue. And on the other side will be full spoilers of everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point. So we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> then we have Nick Sandy doing the sound. Then we have Rob doing the sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we need to make a, a compilation of every guest that's done the audio <laughs> and just use it. Because I think TJ did it. Nick Sandy did it. You did it. <laughs> I think you've done it as well. I, yeah, I've done <laughs> we it. Might, so, at, at, at this rate, we might be able to get through all of what if of different <laughs> people doing the, doing the sounds. <laughs> And if I can be so bold, if anybody's listening wants to send in their own interpretation of the spoiler sound, I would love to use that during yes, what if. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> MC, you need to know at gmail.com. Yes, please send us your spoiler sounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jude, uh, you mentioned there was something you wanted to oh, say immediately. Okay. Having said that about filler, it did make me hopeful for the finale because mm-hmm. I don't feel like... I don't feel like the finale is just, okay, we just got to wrap up the action set piece. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. there is something to be seen or something to be done with the way it ended. um, And, and it's not just, okay, we just got to do our big fight now. So in that sense, I did get left with that. And so the, so I'm, I'm super hopeful and excited for the finale. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's, that's great. So, uh, now that we are on this side of the spoiler zone, as you may know, we're going to be breaking this episode down into the most important topics, which will allow us to kind of have structure, but also break away if we need to. So the first important topic we're going to talk about is behind the curtain. So this section is essentially going to be dealing with all the scenes that show Ravona, Sylvie, and B-15 dealing with the realization that the timekeepers aren't real. So with this in mind, uh, Rob, if we could start with you, how did you feel about that aspect of this episode? The thing that stuck out to me the most in this whole kind of like plea of Ravona's is that I was not buying Ravona's plea to Sylvie at all Mm -mm. because it felt like a complete 180 from everything we've seen from her so far. And honestly, I'm a little surprised Sylvie was giving it any sort of consideration whatsoever. Oh, my mm-hmm. note here, Sylvie has no reason whatsoever to trust Ravona. Mm-hmm. And what makes a Loki a Loki? Gullibility. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> like, like, it just feels like time and time again, you know, like Loki had no reason to trust Mobius there. Uh, I mean, we know he should because it's Mobius as the audience. We know that. Mm-hmm. But Loki doesn't know that, you know. Um, and Sylvie, like, you're 100% right. Like, she has no idea. She shouldn't be trusting Ravona at this point. Man, I love that gullibility trait. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm right there with you two. But but the note I wrote is I genuinely can't tell if I'm supposed to believe her or not, because I do see how there's this quick switch, especially between their interactions. But with Ravona as well, um, she was pleading for her life with Sylvie saying like, hey, we're in the same boat. We both want the same thing. But the thing that stood out to me is she used this word, oh, this was the TVA's dogma. This is mm-hmm. what they wanted us to believe, but now I'm not sure. The The disdain that is attributed to that delivery makes me feel like it's such a quick switch unless she was already in the know and is just trying to play the part of somebody's mm-hmm. spur. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and this is where I kind of get a little confused, is you know, fast forward a little bit to when Ravona is speaking with B-15. B-15 seems to genuinely tear her apart because she's like, oh, you really are shaken up by this. And I, I kind of believe 
Ravona in that moment of like not being sure for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I mentioned I, I this is nothing I wrote in my notes for as much as I talked about Ravona being a bad liar last episode. It's I'm I'm in the air. I don't know where I should <laughs> land with her. Yeah, I, I'll say that. Like, I I do understand what you're saying in terms of it's hard to tell. Well, like, I, I'm going to stand by what Rob said. There's no reason Sylvie should trust mm-hmm. Ravona right there. But as to whether or not Ravona, what Ravona's motives are at this point, uh, like, she's not the big bad. She's not orchestrating anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, is this now a power play? Like, oh, if the timekeepers aren't there, maybe I can take over. Like, I'm not sure what she's playing at, uh, but she's definitely not trustworthy, you know, here. I think another thing to to keep in mind as well is after her conversation with B-15, uh, Ravona, she speaks with Miss Minutes and she's like, hey, I need I need information on the creation of the TVA and everything involved. And Miss Minutes kind of puts up a little bit of a defense. And then finally, Ravona says like, hey, whoever created this might be in danger. And so Miss Minutes like speeds away and the camera lingers on Ravona just long enough to have like this smirk on her face. So again, I I, I can't get a read on like what you said about her oh, motives. Miss Minutes is the big bad. She's going to be the villain. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting during the earlier exchange between Ravona and Miss Minutes when they were talking about the time ship. Uh, and mm-hmm. Miss Minutes was stalling, but that was not prompted by Ravona. That lie was instigated by Miss Minutes. Uh, but no, like you're right. When Miss Minutes wasn't prompted, and even when she asked, she asked the same question as Loki in the library. I need the who started the TVA. And Miss Minutes was like, uh, and okay, what about happens at the end of time? And she's like, okay. And then she's just rifling through files. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's animation, so it's kind of hard to tell intent, but you get the feeling like she has no in, no interest in trying to actually find the files Ravona's asking for. Mm-hmm. You know, and another another interesting tidbit to keep in mind with that interaction is, again, you've Rob, you you highlighted how Miss Minutes is the one to kind of spark this play for stalling. Um the moment that seems to trigger that is whenever Sylvie starts asking or starts formulating the plan of going beyond the void at the mm, end of time. Interesting. And Miss mm-hmm. Minutes has a very concerned look on her face. So mm-hmm. it, again, it makes sense because Miss Minutes, I think as you've alluded to as well, Jude may have something to do with whatever the big bad's going to turn out to be. Um, it shows a level of agency on Miss Minutes uh, rather than just being the Siri like figure in this world. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Miss Minutes, this is a little bit of an aside, but this is probably the first time that somebody is in a Marvel series that I kind of know. Oh, yeah? Uh, I got to work with Tara Strong for a weekend at a convention before. So at Boston Fan Expo, Tara Strong being the person who voices Miss Minutes, a very prominent voice actress, if people are not familiar with her. She was Bubbles on the Powerpuff Girls uh, she was Batgirl on The New Adventures of Batman. She's everywhere. Um, but I got to work as her guest liaison. Uh, so I was with her for an entire weekend, like behind the autograph table. And she is an absolutely wonderful human being. That's, That's incredible. Really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So six degrees to seven, Kevin Bacon, or seven degrees <laughs> to whatever yeah. it is, Kevin Bacon. 
<laughs> I immediately had the same thought too. This we're we're getting ever closer and closer to that Kevin Feige connection. <laughs> By the way, she does she does follow me on Twitter. If uh, I, I need to reach out to have someone from a Marvel show on MCU, need to know. You never know, you know. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. That Powerpuff Girls, that was another show I remember watching on Cartoon Network when I was in high school. Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Good show. Good show. It was. It was a great show. I used to obsess over that show, too. It was so good. But of course, uh, getting back to Loki, um, I think one of the last things we need to to focus on in this section is B-15. Rob, how did you feel about um, B-15 dealing with this revelation of the Timekeepers? I think she had a very, if not the most realistic kind of reaction to all of it. She did initially think that Sylvie was lying to her by mm-hmm. showing her these visions. I mean, like, no, that can't possibly be it. You're just creating those visions in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as she kind of saw it and realized that it was actually a past that she had, her attitude completely changed. And she's been of the hunters kind of the most prominent one that we've been following too. So it makes sense that she would be the one whose story we kind of keep going with throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. She's been a really good drumbeat. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Just like she's been consistent from the beginning. Jude, you pointed out wonderfully last week that like she was our first introduction to the TVA. And so I think she has quickly become one of my favorites of the series so far, just because it's been so fun to watch that super rigid, you know, belief in the TVA go to being able to scoff at the head of someone still clinging to that belief. Like that is such a great character arc for somebody. And Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate it. It, it, It's helped in a very economical way, reinforce some of the things that, you know, they're doing in other storylines like last week with Mobius or this week with Sylvie. Um, Very consistent drumbeat of the show. Oh, yeah. The actress did a lot with a relatively little screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, and speaking of, of the actress doing, like, I love how, you know, I don't know what the fate of B-15 is going to be, but it seems like they are taking genuine pleasure of watching Ravona scramble here at the end. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, like tearing her down and being like, oh, you don't know, do you? So mm-hmm. that was really good, too. You know, what is what I find interesting is when the other hunters are with Ravona in the courtroom and... Just, you get to see B-15, you got to see C-20 and their reaction, and then you see those hunters with Ravona who have no idea. So, like, when Sylvie, you know, prunes herself, we know, Ravona knows, and the hunters, like, couldn't believe it. Like, in their mind, and then the way Ravona played that off was just like, ah, well, good. Like, it, it, I don't think I caught it in the first watch in Ravona as much as I caught it in the second watch, just kind of that... I don't want to say sinister, but just kind of that that knowing like, hey, she's not really gone, but I'm playing this part. Mm -hmm. I think Ravona definitely has the energy of the this is fine dog of like everything may be collapsing around her, but like she's trying, trying so desperately to keep the wheels going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, unless we have any more in this section, um, I think we can go ahead and move on to the next one. So uh, before we go, did anybody have anything else they'd like to say for behind the curtains? All good. Yeah, yeah, I think we're good. All right, so the next important topic we're going to get into is simply the void and beyond. So this section, we can discuss about the idea of the void itself as this dumping ground for everything the TVA has ever pruned, as well as, uh, you know, their plan to get beyond this end. So, Jude, if we want to start with you, uh, what were your thoughts on the void this episode? 
you know what? I think I got distracted, especially my second watch, just trying to find as much stuff as possible. It's <laughs> like, like just like the, the first watch, I'm like, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just like, oh, wait, that's cool. Look at this. Look at that. And the second one, like, I'm really, you know, I'm pausing. I'm trying to <laughs> jot down notes. Um, you know, because I know I saw the helicarrier and some other things. The one thing I, I saw that really stood out to me on the second watch was Avengers Tower. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't Avengers Tower. Oh. What, what I paused it? it and the letters, it looks like it was a capital Q E N G. It what absolutely the letters... is. Yeah. And so I was trying to, I was like, okay, so it's not Stark. It's not Osborne. It's not Baxter Building. Like, I, I, I'm. I don't know. I haven't looked into yet. I'm sure it's something that I'm missing that should be obvious, but it wasn't Stark Tower. And okay, so that's why I got pruned. But just knowing Marvel, like that's it is something if you want to know. Oh yes, absolutely. It is the company that is owned by Kang the Conqueror. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Man. And he's coming for Ant Man Quantumania. He is. Mm-hmm. 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 I feel like there's a collective agreement or at least trying to hold the line of people on the internet who learned a very hard lesson during WandaVision to not speculate <laughs> too far it's ahead. Mephisto. <laughs> it's Mephisto. Yeah, it's Mephisto. <laughs> but man, they're doing like it's hard not to go down that road, especially it really when you is. point out the, the connection there with Kang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that, that I just, and I know a lot happens, you know, at this place, but that was the really that was that was something I truly enjoyed from it. Uh, and the lighthouse of Alexandria was was great. One of the seven wonders of the world or the ancient world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the landscape of the void is absolutely littered with Easter eggs. Whether or not they mm-hmm. actually mean anything, they are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think that's what I mentioned in our Discord. This might be the most densely populated Easter egg we've had since the collector's room in guardians of the galaxy oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah like Agreed. it was just and again you you said like you felt like you were getting distracted i i'm gonna distract us here for a second i want to know uh did you have a favorite easter egg uh rob from everything that we saw in that section i think my east my favorite easter egg is probably the same easter egg that a lot of people would list as their favorite or at least the most prominent and noticeable frog thor mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yes that one was definitely really good. I, I didn't catch it at first because I, I watch on my iPad and for whatever reason, it's very dark. So I thought it was a miniature Thor. But when I watched it again, like on my TV, I was like, oh, that's that's a frog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frog Thor was good. Yeah. And I really enjoyed I really liked their hideout. I love the the bowling alley feel like it felt like a big. You know, well, first off, I mean, I'm imagining like they're just scrounging for stuff to make their hideout. But it felt like a cross between the big Lebowski's bowling alley and Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, that looks like a fun place to go. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, there was a TV show called Last Man on Earth, where mm-hmm. uh, Will Forte was the titular Last Man on Earth. And so for those first few episodes, because there was nobody around, like he just had free reign to do with whatever he wanted. And that feels exactly like what these Lokis are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of their hideout and Easter eggs, did either of you notice the Polybius arcade machine behind them? Yes. Are you familiar yes. with the whole lore behind that? Isn't that 
Um, it's not Marvel related at all. No, it's not. There, it's like it was like a game back in the eighties. Did it go in the seventies? That yeah, and it's it doesn't exist. Yeah, it was like something about like people played it and they got sick. People played it and it was implied that it was part of like an MK Ultra scheme yeah, and it was yeah. brainwashing people. So, but the game never actually existed. So apparently, its appearance here is it yeah. was pulled out of a timeline and that's hence <laughs> that's, why yeah. it never existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in fact, the, the only reason why I know that is listen, they had, uh, we we mentioned, um, I think on the What to Expect, the D.B. Cooper Red mm-hmm. Web podcast. I listened to the Red Web had one on that game and I listened to it probably two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so that's why I recognized it. <laughs> How oddly prescient for Red Web. They nailed two things from this show before it even came out. <laughs> right? <laughs> But no, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because it did catch my eye, uh, Polybius, just because I thought it was like maybe hinting at multiple Mobiuses. But uh, when I when mm. I Googled it, I realized like, oh, there's more to it. But I didn't get a chance to 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 continue looking up. So thanks for that explanation. That was really cool. Yeah. We got to imagine there's another Mobius running around there, though, right? It has to. I mean, I, someone who uh, is as headstrong and inquisitive as, as, as Mobius is has to have multiple pruned versions of himself. So I want to bring this up. So this section we titled The Void and Beyond. Mm-hmm. With that in mind and the idea that the TVA can't go beyond that and the way, with Ravona, the way she talked about it, there is clearly something after that, right? And Eliath is, I guess, protecting it. That kind of interestingly gives a new spin to where they started with that free will predestination idea mm-hmm. um, only because there is w- there is something unknown on the other side, you know, and, and everything stops there. Like it's even out of the TVA's grasp, you know, so so their foreknowledge, if you will, of, of what's to happen and how to prune is is itself limited, uh, which I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's something I've been wrestling with this entire season is even let's say Loki and Sylvie managed to do this. They put it into the TVA. People may may or may not go back to some reality where things could be normal. Like how do people who because this this I'm assuming this knowledge of everything that has ever happened and will happen is real to them. They have this power regardless of who the TVA is. Like how do you go back to being a normal person after having knowledge of everything? But having that that unknown point i think helped i don't know exactly how to put it like it it brought back stakes i think like there's still something unknown in the face of this amazing power that the tva possesses Mm -hmm. that was that was kind of where i was at learning about this idea to go beyond Mm, definitely true although i will say uh kind of this explanation of the void and what lies beyond it in conjunction with the timeline i know the two of you have been discussing the kind of structure of time that they keep presenting throughout the season and at this point i'm just like i don't care anymore like i don't (laughs) i don't care about the uh the branching timelines and the sacred timeline and how it all fits into the logic of time travel and alternate dimensions and multiverses and everything because i think marvel is doing everything they can to try and cover their bases for people that are being super analytical but i think Mm -hmm. if you get too analytical with the show you break it so easily so i think it's really just about really going along with Loki's journey and Sylvie's journey and 
it's not that kind of a show that you want to overanalyze in that way of like, well, how does this line up with this other thing? And no, mm-hmm. just right. forget all that and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's that. And I mentioned it. Like I get bogged down in that. And mm. I think that's, and part of it's just me being me. And I think that's something that's taken away from my enjoyment of it. And I realize that, and I'm trying to break myself of that. Um, in fact, my wife and I just talked about the, the other, just last night. Um, and she was like, just stop, stop thinking, just watch, <laughs> watch, just what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, cause, okay. So my wife, two episodes in, she's like, meh. And then we go to this to watch episode three and the Loki title sequence comes on and she's like, this is the most, that right there is the most interesting thing I've seen so far. And I'm like, how? And then at the end of three, she's like, okay, let's watch the next one. And she was behind. So we watched four immediately. And those two episodes got her sucked in. Whereas like for me, those two episodes is where I started thinking about it and it kind of broke. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's a, that's a good way to, to, to look at it. And that's something that I, that I have to do myself and force myself to do, you know, but with that said, it is, I still feel like it's a very linear story because mm-hmm. I mean, we're following, um, what we started calling our Loki yeah, through. So even jumping back to the Renaissance fair or Alabama, you know, was it 20 something or lamentous 2077 and, and, and all of those things. Um, we're still just following Loki despite mm-hmm. all these time jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I, it, it feels like you completely read my mind. Everything <laughs> you were talking about, like, I don't care anymore about the time stuff. Um, that's honestly what I meant in the pre-spoiler thoughts about this episode breaking me in a good way. Mm. Um, and and the first note I took in this section is, Jude, you and I have talked a lot about how whenever uh, media, whether it's movie or TV, movies or TV shows tackle time travel stuff, we've gotten to this point where it's a it's a trope now. Like, don't think about it. Just go with it. Like, that's that's a style that has become popular recently. And so in this episode, that opening pre-title sequence is essentially that because it's like, hey, this is the void. That's Eliath. Now let's go. Like, it's like, okay, like I, that paired with, to tease it a little bit, the absurdity of a alligator Loki is where I was starting to be like, okay, I see what this is now. And I've been focused on the wrong thing for, for a long time. So I don't know. I, I, I genuinely think I needed this episode in the void to help get me back on track. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. That being said, uh, how did y'all feel about Eliath? Because we got our first taste of him here in, in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> My first thought was Galactus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, because it's outside of the standard MCU, uh, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. waste your time. It's fine. It's fine. But Galactus Cloud is like, the worst thing we saw in like pre MCU Marvel. So yeah. 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 Like I didn't have a comic book knowledge at the time, but I remember even, I remember people being like, well, that was disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like for the longest time, that was who I thought Galactus was. I had no idea of the more comic accurate version of him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious who, what is Goliath or I said Goliath, Goliath. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I, what a horrific way to go. <laughs> like they showed the ship mm-hmm. and the people just immediately, what, just fall to a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Like what a horrific way to die. Yeah, it is an incredibly devastating force. And 
I love like this show has done such a great job of playing with scale. Like the thing that gets pruned and brought into this is a giant warship and they immediately start firing on it. And it's like, whatever, like this is a life. Like it completely sweeps the ship and something I found interesting. Like I, I don't have too much to delve into it yet because we don't have enough, but the sound they make whenever they were destroyed by Eliath is very reminiscent of the sound they make when they're pruned. And so mm. they go a step mm-hmm. further, like what you were saying, Jude, about showing the skeleton versus just like the kind of like multicolor effect. It's horrifying to hear that echo through time and just see a devastated body in the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eliath is scary. Yeah. So, Rob, I want to ask you, because Trey and I have talked about this and an all three series now i and as you know like i was of the mindset of like the end tag shouldn't have happened last episode Mm. and this episode you know i even had a note here like oh they should have started with this him waking up and the the opening and eliath um what do you think did the end tag last week work for you and kind of take away from the start of this episode or are you glad they had it so you kind of was oriented in the beginning of this episode? I think I'm in your camp of the MC or the Disney Plus series are starting to use end tags in, I don't know if it's an irresponsible way, <laughs> but it's just not special anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure at movies, there'll still be very special things at the end, but that at the end of that episode gave me a sense of relief that wasn't earned yet yeah so mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. mobius was gone devastated when our loki was gone my first thought was oh is this is the loki in the title sylvie is this mm-hmm. sylvie's journey and i got really excited yeah because as as much as i didn't want our loki to go away i was like is the end game of this series to really introduce sylvie into the mcu and i was more excited at that prospect than I was of like keeping our Loki around for whatever reason. I really enjoy her character. And yeah. and that would have been the a really interesting bait and switch to give us that the Loki we were talking about was not our Loki. So to do that at the end of that episode, it took away what would have been a week's worth of tension slash excitement from me. So I mm-hmm. wish they hadn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I felt the, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very telling the the inconsistency at which the Disney Plus shows have employed it. Like there was no intact this week. Mm-hmm. It's it, right. it's a weird. Like I remember the first time they did it in WandaVision, it was like the second to last episode. And I mentioned saying how annoyed I was because I was like, okay, you spend the entire season training me. Like, okay, there's not one, and then there's here's there's one. It's it's weird to like go, okay, I guess they're doing them now, next week. No, they're not. And then I'm assuming we'll have another one at the end of this. So it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Just going to throw this out there. So does that mean we finally get the Doctor Strange in tag at the end of this? <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they're going to come back. They're going to come back and edit it after it's done like they did with WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well. Uh, unless there's any more, I think we can go ahead and move into the next section, which is simply a cast of Lokis. Now, this episode introduced us into a whole variety of Loki variations, and uh, I wanted to take this time to really talk about some of those and the way the show used them. Starting with me this time, I have to say, and, and this is 
I say it one because I mentioned like seeing alligator Loki broke me a little bit of the <laughs> absurdity of it. But I think something that this this show did or this episode did really well is with the most minimal degree of personification, they used it to maximum effect. Because mm-hmm. there was a moment where Loki was giving his speech about like, we're going to kill Elioth. And everybody's kind of like holding their breath and then they just burst out laughing. The mm-hmm. camera quickly cuts to to Loki alligator. And even though we don't see it laugh, that cut signaled so much personality for that alligator before moving on to somebody else. That was like, mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. that that's such a smart way to handle this character who's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think I was with Loki. Where it was just kind of like, what? And I'm embracing this. Like, <laughs> like, and I think that was not the exact line, but something similar to it. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I bought into Groot and Rocket. I can buy into this alligator. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I was, I was excited, you know, to see Howard the Duck. So I can, I can enjoy the alligator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved Mobius's whole rhetoric about, is he even a Loki? Is he just an alligator wearing a, a helmet? Or if he is, and this is like the long play, like that makes him even more of a Loki. Like it would, he puts so much thought into this alligator. And I was just delighted by the whole thing. Was that uh, okay? So was the alligator eating the hand <laughs> a Disney reference to Captain Hook? Because the oh. whole thing about bringing up pirates, or was it the MCU Disney reference to Star Wars losing the hand like they did in Phase Two? Could be all of the above. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but that was my actually my first thought was to Captain Hook. Mm-hmm. From That's Peter a really Pan. good catch. And this is the uh, the Lost Boys essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think y'all might be onto something there. That might be what that was. And it's also very interesting to me in this moment that losing a hand is so common in media that there's so many different ways we can see they're referencing it. Oh, man. Well, another one of the variations that I wanted to um, circle in on is boastful Loki. Um, It was so funny to me that whenever they get into their little hideout, uh, boastful Loki was going on about like, yeah, you know, and then I bested Iron Man and Captain America and got all six Infinity Stones. And <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world that a Loki would play up his achievements. But the humor that comes from being surrounded by other Lokis and knowing that he's full of it was just so amazing. Mm-hmm. And that made me laugh so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is in this setting, it's believable as well for the audience. And because I bought into it at first because that's the reason why you get pruned, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you were successful and you're not supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, what did, what did y'all think of, so Kid Loki killed Thor, mm-hmm. right? It felt like that got to our Loki. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Like, yeah. like he felt that. Because mm-hmm. he's made his peace with his brother mm-hmm. in a way that that younger version of him definitely would not have. Although, it feels like even Kid Loki, in saying it, had some regret in the statement. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and I mean, because obviously we know the connection that our Loki has to Thor because of the movies, and we saw how that played out. Um, classic Loki uh, mentions whenever he was stranded, the thing he missed the most was his brother. So it's this continuous mm-hmm. echo throughout all the variations that Thor is an important figure to them. Um, and so it, I like pointing out that like, oh, this 
this Loki at this age didn't have that chance yet to to realize that importance. And it's it's it works because, you know, they use that moment of like, oh, well, what did you do? Why are we why should we be listening to you? And he was like, oh, I killed Thor and everybody got silent. Um, so it's just an effective way to to, I guess, bolster the authority of that variant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it does make me wonder, you know, they mentioned this where they said like, oh, you know, he killed Thor. There wasn't too much on display from Kid Loki. Like, I know he had a little bit of fighting in in the scuffle, but it makes me wonder if we'll see him return for some big feat, uh, because at the end of this episode, him and the alligator took off. So uh, I, I'm keeping right. my eye out for another return with Kid Loki. The alligator's coming in for a big save later. That's what's really going <laughs> to happen. We think it's Kid Loki. It's going to be the alligator. Yeah. Do we think? Is there... Uh, I, I don't know have a better word for it. A prime Loki? Like, is that our Loki? Is that Sylvie? Are they supposed to merge at some point? Like, it, it, just because you get this, he got the sword from Kid Loki. Mm-hmm. From, what are we calling the old Loki? The classic. original? The classic Loki? Yes. Um, He learned, you know, so from Sylvie, learns how to enchant. From this Loki, he learn, learns that his magic is actually more powerful than the sword. Uh, But he gets the sword from you know from kid loki from boastful loki he learns kind of the ridiculousness of like like you hear the story and you hear him oh i was able to do this this and this and mm-hmm. he was successful but but it sounded ridiculous and then he gets to see all these loki's brawl when the other loki show up and he's looking at him just rolling their eye like what are you doing um and so he's he's like picking up little pieces from each loki along the way so is that are we going to see that? Are we going to see like a one Loki prime Loki or something? I don't know if we'll see like emerging per se, but he's definitely picking up on different aspects of his own personality through all these others. I think he's learning the lessons through them mm-hmm. and like through, through boastful Loki as well. He's seeing the ridiculousness of his constant betrayals as all the Lokis just turn on mm-hmm. each other and there's so many backstabbing, like we had a deal, but they had a deal and they had a deal, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> Loki's always double cross each other. And he's like, this is ridiculous. He's seeing how ridiculous it looks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was one of my favorite parts in that scuffle uh, with the president Loki and, and staging the coup and having it all backfire is mm-hmm. the our Loki is in that background and he's just like he has such a disgusted look on his face mm-hmm. like, oh my god <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this again and it, it harkens back to I believe it was in episode two when he's dealing with Sylvie not knowing who she is and he's like I finally understand Thor now like it's he's living his own personal <laughs> hell having to deal with himself <laughs> yeah so was that was uh, President Loki was that was that army an army of Lokis or that was just an army he had? That was an army of Lokis for sure. Okay, that's what I I wasn't the first watch. My thought was that's an army of Lokis, and then this, this next watch, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second watch, I actually got more clues because there's a lot of them that have horns of various types to kind yeah. of signify their Lokiness. Like there's even the mm-hmm. guy with the kind of motorcycle helmet on has handlebars that stick up in that horn-like position. So they're all like some form of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the handlebars is exactly what I picked up in my second watch. And 
I think, and I, I didn't pause, I didn't have time to pause and verify it, but I think I saw some of the Lokis that they use in episode two before they go on their mission. So oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I got that feeling as well. It was like the the third, like not the Hulk Loki, not the Trackstar Loki, but mm-hmm. some of those later ones that they cycle through quickly. I mm. feel like I saw them in the scuffle, but I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure on that. Mm-hmm. And they do kind of set up that idea earlier by saying like, oh, there's so many Lokis here because surviving is just what we do, which is an also a nice yeah. fun little thing. Mm-hmm. You know what? Th- this episode is going to be fun to watch one of those breakdowns that someone goes frame by frame. Mm. Yeah. And takes the time. I, I'm... I, I don't like to watch those until after we record on the episode, but I that's going to be fun watching one of those. You know, it, it's funny to me that in the first episode, the show did such a great job of breaking Loki as a character. Like he lost his purpose. I He's getting close, I think, to reclaiming that because that's been a huge uh, part of this final scene we'll get to later. But there's got to be some self-esteem boost to realize that you were such a nuisance to literally all of time <laughs> that there has to be a place for all your variations to have to go. <laughs> Too important to just disappear. <laughs> right? I will say this. So a question to both of you. How did you two feel about the use of President Loki? Uh, speaking personally, I know it was something that I was really excited for uh, in the trailer. It was a very quick bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. Did y'all have any lingering feelings on that? Uh, I will just say I was surprised. I was expecting it to be our Loki. Oh. You know, cause, like, I guess my expectations of this show, and again, why, to some degree, it's very linear for me and not as wild as as I imagined it. Because mm-hmm. I took that and I took D.B. Cooper... You know, that we're going to see our Loki all over the place causing havoc and this group is trying to uh, track him down. Mm-hmm. And in and in that, from the trailer, you know, I just, oh, this is our Loki. Like, it didn't dawn on me that this was another Loki in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So, so that was something that caught me by surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same impression. I... I like I had said earlier, I I was anticipating we were going to have like a time travel procedural and each episode was going to be our Loki going to a new time, tackling a new thing or a new case or something along those lines. And I also thought this was going to be our Loki in that whatever time or that like his his deviation uh, was going to lead to him becoming president in whatever timeline. And then he would be in an almost villainous role where they would have to like pull him back from that. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know if like from the trailer, we'd be chasing Loki and he was going to be the villain. He wouldn't end up being the big bad, but he would be the villain of the series and that we'd be chasing after him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind the use of it in the way that they did as almost like a little bit, but uh, it definitely in the trailer, it's placement created expectations. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, before I, I realized that the TVA had the power to just like boop a whole reality out of existence, I had this idea that it was going to be like sending in Loki in different situations. And these were the mm-hmm. ridiculous situations he would have to do to get things back on track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, clearly that's not the case. But but to, to, to bring it back to this thought that I had after seeing the use of President Loki, as excited as I was hearing the touch difference that Hiddleston has in the voice of President Loki 
I think I would have gotten tired of it really quickly <laughs> because he's like <laughs> he's really playing up that villainous delivery more mm-hmm. so than he does when he's just playing regular villainous Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am curious. And again, maybe just the way I think about these, I'm curious of what got President Loki. Um, I'm I'm guessing he got pruned because he became president. <laughs> like like I'm trying to was like what did you become? Did you come here and you became like this idea of President Loki to gain this army? Or that's what you did, and that's what you weren't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a interesting way to think about it because it would, it would be like it would be a lot of steps to becoming a president before the TVA decides to yeah. step in and prune. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Well, I'm almost sure we're gonna get back to it again uh, before the episodes end, but uh, you know, this is the section to discuss the variations of Loki. How does you two feel about the classic Loki? Um, I mean, I, I'm stuck on, I can't believe how ridiculous he looks and how <laughs> emotionally impactful he is while looking like that. Mm. The thing that amused me the m- most with him was that his nexus event of that he explained of projecting himself uh, while fighting Thanos and then kind of disappearing was actually a fan theory of what Loki did before Endgame came out and confirmed that he did in fact die after mm-hmm. Infinity War was there, a lot of people are like, but was Loki actually there? Could he not have just projected an image of himself and then hid somewhere? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the fact that I don't know if I, I know Marvel's aware of all these things, but I don't know if they thought it would be amusing to kind of run with that fan theory as a way to create this version of the classic Loki. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool if they did. That yeah. would be really cool if they did, you know, because, well, like with the Watchers. And and James Gunn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking on that fan theory. Uh, Trey's favorite, Peter Parker, being an Iron Man <laughs> too, that fan theory. Um, you, you know, and, and so that you're right. They're well aware of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if it is. And I really hope it is because that would be really great. Um, you know, so we start throwing out more fan theories and Kevin Feige's super fan that we might get one of ours <laughs> in, the, in, in the MCU. Uh, you know what? somewhere just, out there leech has just started scribbling a lot more furiously <laughs> and a lot more theories <laughs> well you know what I, I i really enjoy and is that they got the the classic costume in mm-hmm. and and when you think about the disney plus shows like we've got a lot of comic accurate costumes mm-hmm. in a way that it's like you said it's this looks ridiculous and you're like yeah i'm glad they didn't do that but it works and how they did it with the shows um, so that was really cool. Um, you know, I, I want to be careful cause I talked about like not wanting to get bogged down. There was some things about it where it's just like, it's interesting to, if I'm going to stick in the world in world, so to speak, it's interesting that the TVA let that go as long as you stayed on this planet alone. Mm-hmm. I then, think it was cause he wasn't altering anything. Yeah. Essentially. He was only yeah. altering his own path and therefore not not interfering with anything else. So they were just, it didn't set off a reg flag anywhere. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. And I understand that, but it's just, it's just the thinking about the stuff that they're willing to let go. Um, and not, and again, this is where I get bogged down and and need to not. Um, but again, he gets, we, we mentioned learning something and he gets the old, the old wise Loki mentor, Mm -hmm. uh, that he never really had. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, he had, Odin, but I don't think you could say Odin really could be that role for him. No. Yeah. That yeah. was a very strained relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
so he never really had that and so it was really cool um to get that dynamic and again a one was it 45 minutes 50 minute episode mm-hmm. um and so they they did a lot right there mm-hmm. and i'm okay that he died yeah like i, I think it was a fitting a fitting end mm-hmm. i do want to circle back a bit to this idea of the reason classic Loki was able to slip away undetected for so long was because he kept himself away. And it wasn't until he tried to reunite with people he cared about that the TVA was like, nah, you can't do this. One, that's incredibly sad. But this lonely existence that the TVA has deemed seemingly against Loki and always enforcing this idea that they have to be alone, that they are villainous and traitorous and all these negative things, it really starting to make me, and this is where I'm starting to, to speculate and maybe get into some grains of sand territory. It's making me suspect that whatever's happening is happening on a much more personal level against Loki than I have been suspecting up until this point. Because... Hmm. I mentioned it earlier. This section feels, with the exception of Mobius, everybody hears a Loki. And so you would think if the TVA has been pruning for, you know, all of time, there would be more than just them. But Mm -hmm. it's so centered on Loki. It is. Although my read of the TVA allowing him to, like, go off on his own was that the TVA was not aware that he went off on his own because they only get signaled when something spikes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. starts heading up to the red. My thought was that it didn't spike until he made the decision to come back mm-hmm. because that was the catalyst for then interfering with events again. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? And that's an interesting dynamic too, again, of like how much hmm, control or how much does the TVA see mm-hmm. that, you only see necessarily those spikes or those red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, go back to what's on the other side of the void. What's feeding that information? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, I don't think this will be the last we discuss of classic Loki, um, but we'll go ahead and put a pin in this and move on into the next section, which is entitled Never Too Late to Change. Essentially, in this section, we're going to talk about all the ways these various characters have learned that they can change. You know, Mobius inspired classic Loki to change. Both Loki and Sylvie and Loki and Mobius have conversations about what they can do past the events of what's happening here. Um, So, yeah, we are going to focus on that for a bit. So, uh, Rob, uh, circling back to you, uh, where do you want to start with that? Um, There was one thing that jumped out at me here, and maybe it's something I kind of missed. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't recall... Mobius going into detail about Loki and Sylvie's Nexus event, but Sylvie brings it up here as like, mm-hmm. oh, what'd you think of Mobius? Almost as if that happened off screen, or did I miss something? No, I think that was off screen. Okay. Because mm-hmm. there's there's the implication that Sylvie is referring to their romantic entanglement being the cause of the Nexus event, but the show never tells us that. Mm-hmm. We're just supposed to read that. And I think it is fairly obvious but it's interesting that the show never really explicitly said it no the show you're right the show didn't um and you didn't miss anything that was off screen okay yeah so okay so that was one thing that i've struggled with with this show is i feel like there's a lot not a lot but there's it's it's 
it's that can it's a balance of of how much should be off screen and how much should happen on screen. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's some things like like that that happen off screen that I kind of wish it happened on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so and I don't know maybe it's just me with with that feeling, but but that is one of those things where it just it just felt because because when you don't do it right, it feels like it's writer's convenience. Mm-hmm. You know, of just oh, it's convenient to have something off screen, and then you know. Um, and, and sometimes it is for efficiency's sake, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely you didn't miss anything. It felt to me like it was something that they did film, but they just it hit the cutting room floor and they left mm-hmm. that line in. I was like, wait, what? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember them talking about that. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, did they release outtakes or anything like that for the other two shows? No, not that I've seen at least. No, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. Well, and with these shows not hitting DVD, I don't guess we're not getting that. At least at some point, maybe we will. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think the closest we've gotten to that is in the making of documentary. Mm. They'll sometimes mm-hmm. use alternate takes. Uh, yeah. I know specifically during the Falcon and Winter Soldier one, uh, we brought up the conversation between Io and and uh, Bucky, and that was for sure a different take. So mm-hmm. I think the making of documentary is going to be our best bet on that course. Yeah, yeah, because I I think you might be right on that, where they they filmed something that just didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's why you edit. You know, you want to. Yeah. You want to put stuff, get stuff on film, get stuff on, you know, for our, even the pods, get stuff on on tape, and you know, we make it a secret. We edit here too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's been plenty of times where we've had to record something at the end of the episode we forgot and put it back into the current mm-hmm. spot. <laughs> so, you know, I, this is the section I think I had the most amount of notes. Um, I've been framing all my thoughts about how this episode broke me in a good way and helped me start to focus on on, on getting in sync with the show. And so I want to highlight a specific line. Uh, Classic Loki and Mobius are having a conversation where Classic Loki says something to the extent of like the people you've worked for and dedicated yourself, you're just going to go back and, you know, turn on them. And Mobius says, well, it's never too late to change that right there. It was so important to me because this feels like this is the theme of the series in one sentence. Everything we've seen so far keeps coming back to this nugget of truth. Like, despite what you're supposed to be, despite who you think you are, and despite what anyone says you are, you are capable of change. And I know I've talked about it before in previous podcasts and that we've done since the beginning, that the my favorite thing about superhero shows is that they can use the extreme to tell smaller, relatable stories. Mm-hmm. So Mm -hmm. not trying to knock this show down because I do appreciate the conversations we had in those first three episodes, but I don't think it was ever deeply interested in diving deeper into free will, the meaning of life or what is love. And it was those backdrops of extreme. And Mm -hmm. it was more to create these proving grounds. I, I believe that was the word I used earlier. It was these proving grounds for not just Loki, but you know, B-15, C-20, Mobius, like all these different characters to play within this space of or, or leveraging how much is against them versus the ability to change. And so I, I think that feeling is summed up in the no one bad is ever truly bad and no one good is ever truly good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know that that figuring that out and having that click for me, um, it made me really start to appreciate and get back on track with what the show is is interested in. Because who has a more divergent arc than Loki throughout the entirety of the series? And it, it feels perfect for him to be able to play in this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that line 
was absolutely important. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one that jumped out at me was when Loki was talking with Sylvie and she makes the kind of joke about how do I know you're not going to betray me or stab me in the back or anything. Um, and they talk about him potentially ruling a timeline. And Loki finally seems to understand that his ambitions won't necessarily lead to his happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge realization for him because they have very purposely repeated the line glorious purpose over and over and over again throughout the series. And Loki realizing that his glorious purpose that he's been living his life for isn't quite what he thought it would be. He's actually seen the results of that struggle and that battle for it when he could potentially have a better life, a happier life. By ignoring that glorious purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we see that with classic Loki, where mm-hmm. he's yelling glorious purpose as he's showing how powerful he is, bringing up Asgard and giving up himself for this show. Himself? Uh, giving himself up for <laughs> others. <laughs> you know? Um, in in there, and in saying glorious purpose. This, is, this was my purpose. Um, this, see, this show's so convoluted for me because now, <laughs> like now, when I say the word purpose, and this is his purpose. If his purpose was to do this, then so you didn't have free will. Everything brought you to this point, anyways. Uh, but but yeah, I I'm with you. I the learning the idea of what your purpose is um, beyond just to rule and having something some depth there, and Loki learning that. Uh, and for me, it came across when Loki said the line, it was like, I betrayed everyone I loved. I betrayed mm-hmm. my brother. It's, you know, when he goes to the list and then for me, what's the most important line is it's, I know why I did it. Mm-hmm. It's not just that I did it. I know why I did it, you know, and which is able to, to then have that confidence of like, because I know why I, well, I was going to say, I won't do it again, but I, I almost caught myself. I was going to say, I don't think I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> but, but in, I'm going to go with, I don't think he's going to do it again. Right. I mean, he's a Loki. I guess he could. Um, mm-hmm. But, but th- that was super important there for his character. It's interesting that you say he's a Loki. He could. And yet that's, isn't that what we're currently saying is the point of the series to tell us he's not just a Loki. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're putting him in that box of a Loki and this is what he is. Even we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But the series is saying that's not a Loki. That's not this Loki. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. No, not anymore. So he's no longer gullible. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a universal constant. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think um, I want to circle back to what you were saying, Rob, about the ambition. Another line I really liked is Sylvie saying, "Like if we pull this off, there might be a reality where you get to rule." And he so flippantly says, "And then I'll be finally happy." Mm-hmm. And like that's. Mm-hmm. What a great way to kind of reinforce those lessons that he's been learning throughout this, um, because this this whole episode has been such a again I keep coming back to this word this proving ground for Loki because we've seen him make so many uh, selfless decisions in this uh, we see his ability to show actual care for others so yeah that like all that just kind of keeps circling back into that feeling of lesson learned. Loki's can change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I I did say that I agreed with what you two were saying in the preschooler thoughts about kind of being filler. The thing that I do brush up against a lot in this episode is that it does feel like it's retreading some of what we just did in the previous episode. It was with different characters and that ability to change. Mm. Um, but with as many cast members as this show has i guess it feels only fitting that like hey let's spend another episode showing the very various ways people are changing to Mm -hmm. so that's where my feeling of 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 treading the same ground came from Mm -hmm. you know what and i want to circle back uh, just thinking about what you were just saying trey and think circle back to what rob said you know and and something that struck me was is yeah i was putting loki he is a loki and, and, and we're doing it but there is this interesting play and that and I guess it's been hinted at, never explicitly. Well, maybe there's this whole nature nurture thing that mm-hmm. that they didn't explicitly say, other than the one time it's in your nature. Uh, I think that was episode one. Like it's it, your nature is to do this so others can succeed, and and it is an element of like nature nurture. And well, I, I think of it in terms of well, I mean, we have our nature, right? Like what is it's in my nature to do X, Y, or Z. And to the extent of what I do with that and how I cultivate it and how I shape it, I think is that element of, of change, you know? Um, and, 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 and so I, I like, um, I like that, like that, that we see this change, but he's still who he is, you know, and, and it and it's and hopefully I, they, they pull that through and we see something like that in the finale of him taking what he would normally do, but in a different, more positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because we've talked so much about the story circle is the returning to a familiar place having changed. And so if they can pull off what you just mentioned, there's completing your arc for the, uh, the season. Mm hmm. You know, I, I do want to say this, uh, Jude, you've mentioned a lot throughout this uh, about the gullibility of Loki uh, or Loki's rather. And specifically, it was very good points that you made last week about there's this big emotional moment where Loki's like, well, how about a friend? And at the same time, Mobius was doing some pretty messed up stuff to him before they get to that little emotional mm. catharsis. Mm hmm. I don't know if it's enough to sway back into like forgiving that, but I do love the exchange between Loki and Mobius parting ways uh, because of the like the moment where Loki goes to hug him. Pair that with the conversation that Loki has with Sylvie. It's like, you know, the thing that he thinks that makes them gel is that both of them are neither truly good or bad characters. And they have found that common ground between each other. And it's something that they take solace in. Because as much as we know Loki's a backstabbing character, we've seen Mobius has done some pretty backstabby stuff too. And yet they keep Mm -hmm. coming back to this point of an understanding. So this felt like a nod to the show, or this felt like a nod from the show, speaking to some of the questionable aspects of their relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually goes along with one of the notes I put down is that I found that hug with Mobius to be surprisingly emotional. Yeah. Because we've seen him grow uh, in his attachment to Sylvie, but Mobius has been here longer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Mobius is the first genuine connection that he actually made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I'm glad you highlight that because I, I, for the record, I have softened up a lot on, I was very adamant last week how weird it was and how much I didn't like that Sylvie and Loki were having this romantic connection. And I've softened up a little bit. I'm starting to be more okay with it. But even at the core of it, I was like, okay, are you stepping on your own message if the person you're trying to teach to be selfless literally falls for themselves? (laughs) But again, I'm stopping up and I'm fine with it. But it does help to do what you're saying, Rob, about like, oh, he genuinely has this feelings for Mobius as well, like Mm -hmm. this outside of the self care. So it's a one two punch of of securing Loki's growth. Mm hmm. So something we've brought up in other pods and and I'm still thinking about it because Nick Sandy called us out on it um, <laughs> and we try to kind of defend. Do you feel like because in my note, I agree, like I'm watching it. You have that hug moment, but then they cut and they have him say that line. You're my favorite. Mm-hmm. It, to me, my note was, OK, here's an example of them undercutting, undercutting a, a big, a, a big, nice moment with trying to inject humor. Did y'all see it that way or no? Not this one. I'm, I'm, not this one. I, I call that out all the time too because, uh, Thor Ragnarok was big on that for me. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but this one oddly worked really mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. because I felt like Sylvie was a part of that emotional exchange. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. didn't really pull anything out of it for me. It almost leaned into it because that's the relationship that, Mobius also has with both of them that that kind of joking exchanging uh, that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it reminds me of like, 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 like a playful, like punch on the shoulder to a friend of like, yeah, like, oh, you know, I'm showing emotion, but just so you don't get too carried away. And then you just like bop him on the shoulder. Like, that's what it felt like. It's like, yes, he's a, he's accepting this emotional response from Loki, but he's cutting the humor because I guess you know, they, they've learned this, but I think it's still foreign to them. So he's cutting the moment to like make it, I guess, a little bit more digestible for them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it helped for me because, Jude, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think you make a good point because the, the moment that we got called out on is in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Sam gives his big speech. Bucky undercuts the moment by saying, like, oh, I stopped listening at this point. In contrast, we're having this moment with Sam and um, Isaiah Bradley where you know, Isaiah undercuts a moment too with a joke. We mentioned specifically the reason why it worked. At least I remember I said this. I think you said it too, that the reason it worked is because that was a character moment for him and Mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily a character developing moment for Bucky. I don't know if this develops Mobius' character any further like it did with Isaiah, but it still fit for me. So I do feel like I'm a little hypocritical in that reasoning, but it didn't take away uh, from the moment for me. So I, it's, it's okay. still an interesting question to keep uh, the Nick Sandy question, I guess, to keep uh, mm-hmm. mulling over <laughs> when and when it doesn't work. Yeah. OK. OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I think and maybe I'm just really calling that out too much um, in that because it, it, I don't know. I, I think I would have liked to just let it mm-hmm. let it go. But but I, I can see both of y'all's points on that. Mm-hmm. I think what helps just at least for me, one last thing to add to it. I think what helps is seeing Sylvie laugh through the tears mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That helps soften that like, OK, this isn't just like a, it's not for the just for the audience. It's for the characters in the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, is there anything else we'd like to touch on before moving into the uh, final important topic? 
Uh, the only other thing very quickly is, did anyone bump into like, that does not look like a terribly warm blanket. <laughs> <laughs> like he, it's this satin fabric. If you're cold, like get something a little more substantial. <laughs> well, he's a prince of Asgard. Right? He's, <laughs> he's going to have, have the finest linens. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like, and I like Sylvie made fun of it, right? Is this a tablecloth? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> also. He is part frost giant. This is clearly this is a, a move. calculated move. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to have too fine of a cloth, so it defeats the purpose of what he's trying to do. Here. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Can a frost giant get cold? <laughs> we need to get leech on this stat. <laughs> oh man. Well. Uh, I think that will wrap up that section, uh, which is going to bring us to our final important topic, which is simply enchanting power. Now, this is going to deal with everything in that final sequence of the episode. Um, Specifically, we talked a little bit about it, but with classic Loki um, making the sacrifice play and Sylvie and our Loki trying to pull off the enchanting move on Eliath. So Jude... Uh, starting with you this time, is there anywhere you'd like to start? You know what? I'm just going to be honest. I missed it the first watch, and it could be because of what I watched it on. Uh, when she, when they had that moment and she did the first enchantment, I completely, like, I guess it was just what I watched it device-wise on. And it, and for me, it just, I didn't catch what she was looking at. Um, I do like that they were able to come together and enchant uh elias um and and he was able to you know learn how to do this uh so that was really cool mm-hmm. yeah to, to speak what you were saying i i missed that beginning part with sylvia as well like i when i first saw it i thought oh is she seeing like a projection of asgard to herself like i don't know why because it's clearly not asgard but it just happened so quickly and I was so unprepared for it. Like I didn't quite catch what it was, but obviously by the, by the end of the episode, we see the uh, foreboding castle and it's a little bit easier to catch on that second um, watch. And, and and I think just good work on the show's part of like planting that seed of, of the resolution we get to mm-hmm. see, I was in the same boat as both of you because, which makes <laughs> me think that maybe the show dropped the ball a little bit because uh-huh. mm-hmm. they, they planted the seed, but the seed wasn't strong enough for us to know what was going on because I, like you, I saw she did something. Yeah. But I was like, wait, what just happened? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I recognize that she saw a quick vision of something, but I don't know why. And they yeah. didn't explain it until later on. I was like, oh, that was that thing from earlier. I wish I had known because yeah. that, that would have been good information at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, my first impression, I thought she was doing a new power set or skill that mm-hmm. we hadn't seen yet. And, and it was like, and it went matrixy and so quick that I, I, I completely missed it on the, on the first watch. Mm-hmm. I think the two thoughts I have one, I think the thing that makes it not clear is when it happens the first time, I didn't quite catch like, oh, she's touching the smoke. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. At that point, I think I was still conditioned of like, you touch the smoke, you die. Yep. Like, it was just like, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. conflicting uh, education moments. But the the other thing I want to talk about, because Rob, you brought up the idea of like, maybe the show not, or maybe the show dropped the ball on that. It's a thing that Jude and I constantly talk about of this balancing act between like, the show holding our hands, 
versus not telling us enough. And it's mm-hmm. always interesting to see how these uh, various episodes fall between that. Definitely would have liked my hand held a little bit more on that. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think? And this is going to tiptoe slightly into predictions, I guess. And I'm not trying to do that. But the way I understand enchanting from the previous episodes, are they in Elias's mind? Or were they just able to get Elias to kind of dissipate and get out of the way? The way that Sylvie described it before, when she was telling Loki how she enchants people, is that she grabs onto a memory that's in their mind. Mm -hmm. So they would have had to have entered his mind or its mind uh, in some way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My read, because you both bring up great points, like that is how it is described that it happens is the depending on the strength of the target of what they have to do like sometimes it's easy to just control them or sometimes they have to to live in that memory the at least the way i felt like it never signaled us that there was a transition like they did it and this the camera stayed and we saw the clouds dissipate and they did so much um I, they use so much vocabulary of like oh this is the watchdog this is the thing that's like guarding the entrance to mm-hmm. where they're trying to get so I don't know if I read that as them going into the mine so much as they enchanted them and controlled it to open up for them to go inside uh, mm-hmm. of whatever's hiding behind the cloud. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, yeah, I had that that same read there. Um, yeah, going into the mind, I was referring to uh, them actually going through the process of enchanting. Oh. But what we saw as a result was definitely them taking control because Sylvie even kind of laid out the groundwork for that saying, that she would have to take control of it so it could lead them to mm-hmm. whoever was mm-hmm. uh, in charge of all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do want to, on the topic of that, I do love that from separate point of views, both Sylvie and Loki hatch very similar plans with Elioth. But mm-hmm. such a great differentiator between them is in the method at which they want to do the thing that they're trying to do. Clearly, we we're talking about Sylvie enchanting Elioth, but it was, it's such a funny alternate take that our Loki was like, let's kill it. Like that, it was such a simple, <laughs> quote unquote, simple plan of trying to take care of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's fitting, right? Like you have um, that whole it, like I feel like this episode mirrored episode three mm-hmm. where where you had a lot of dialogue and. It was interesting because she, you know, Sylvie wanted to just go running in and Loki had the, no, we got to be subtle and, and guile and that didn't work. But then here, the flip side, Loki, mm-hmm. I'm just going to run in. If it bleeds, I can kill it. And she was like, no, 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 we're, you know, we're going to enchant it. Um, and so I do like the kind of the role reversal in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's a really good catch. I'm glad you brought that up. That's really nice. I do again before because before we move on from Elioth, um, or at least staying within this moment of, of speaking about this moment with Elioth, I mentioned earlier that I like the work that the show is doing with personifying Loki Gator. I I thought they did another great job with Elioth here whenever classic Loki is conjuring up Asgard and he's making things disappear and appear at will to kind of 
uh, guide Eliath away from Loki and Sylvie. Mm-hmm. There's this moment where Eliath goes to bite part of the tower. It dissipates. He goes to bite another part of the tower. It dissipates. And he lets out this roar of frustration. Mm-hmm. That was such a great moment for me because you could feel that frustration in in this creature and it made it feel that much more alive. Mm-hmm. It's such a subtle moment, but like taking the time to pay attention to those details helped uh, uh, l- Elevate, I guess is the word I'm looking uh-huh. for. Elevate the terror of this final sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? It, it's interesting because I'm, I'm still not sure what Eliath is. It's this big thing of smoke, but it clearly, like, it has a mind. It can be enchanted. Um, and, you know, so it would, should be able to have that reaction. Uh, I will say it kind of reminded me of our dog. Um, <laughs> like, knowing how you feel about your dog <laughs> just just like that sequence there of like going after this and then it's like and, and you know you, you have the chew toy and you pull the chew toy away and then it's like you get growled and barked at and then they die for it <laughs> um, you know like like that personification they really they called it the guard dog and it kind of gave that personality mm-hmm. you know I, I think we've We've talked about it, hinted at it a little bit, but I think we can really dive into it here. Um, Rob, did you have any more thoughts on that whole section with classic Loki, you know, making that sacrifice play against Elioth? It was uh, it was surprising because I didn't so much until the second viewing. I didn't notice his look back when him and kid Loki and alligator Loki were kind of walking away beforehand. But they do do a quick scene where the three of them are walking away and and classic Loki gives a little look back as in like, I heard Mobius's message and I might be able to help out here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I did find it interesting that being a Loki, as we continue to put them in boxes, his purpose (laughs) should be survival Mm -hmm. amongst all things. And he puts that aside as well. Mm -hmm. So going along with kind of our last section, not being able to change well clearly he can because he put that part of him aside but i do wonder um this is somewhat unrelated i wonder what percentage of the show's budget was spent on creating Eliath and old loki conjuring the city like those two special effects Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are like i know the budget of the mcu shows is far above regular television but that had to be so expensive. Just those mm-hmm. two things. They looked so impressive. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? One of the thoughts I had about the Loki army was like, why didn't they just have... It, it would have been neat to see even more of our Loki, Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, budget-wise, they probably couldn't have done that. You know, Because it would have been cool to see the other Lokis they showed in the holograms. But yeah, you're spot on. The budget probably went a lot to there, which is it should have. I mean, that was yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of my notes is this episode is incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned both Eliath and the summoned Asgard, but everything else here in the void, like that destroyed beauty look, like not only have they created these wonderful uh, Easter eggs, they've done such a great job of aging them and giving them this look of like time that mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't know. And, and, and specifically going back to the, the conjuring of Asgard, that shot alone of classic Loki kind of like like having his hands outstretched, glowing green, the purple of Asgard being conjured up behind him. Like this has to be the best looking episode of the Disney Plus series so far, right? Like mm-hmm. it's well, incredible. Well, of all the Disney Plus series, do you think this is the best one visually? 
Like visual effects and all? This I would say this episode, it is up there for sure. I would what about y'all? The scale that they're going to in this episode alone is is far and above anything we've seen in the other mm-hmm. series up to this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Because there was a lot of visual effects with WandaVision all throughout, you know, to do what they did and especially the the last sequence. But I I think this is this was amazing. Mm-hmm. Did you see like, oh, that's Asgard. That's great. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, just to weigh in, I know we've been kind of jumping around here and there. I just, I want to put a point on my thought of classic Loki. I think he seriously is the episode stealer for me. Um, the, the, the idea that they could take this new bizarre variation of Loki and under an hour do a storyline that makes me feel invested and also have a rewarding feeling of watching him sacrifice himself while screaming glorious purpose. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It might be it might be one of my favorite moments of the season so far. Like his his little I don't know if it's fair to call it, but his vignette is just such a powerfully done uh, storyline in this series so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So I'm, I have questions that I'm dying to ask. Okay. But in, in this section is kind of weird um, because we are getting, we're in the void and going beyond. And so I, some of the questions I have, do you get into that prediction area? Okay. So, well, uh, I know I'm out of things to say here. I did have one more thing, but I'm actually going to save it for predictions. So we're on the same page here, Jude. Uh, <laughs> But Rob, uh, is there anything that you would like to add before moving on? In here, no. This was this was a very fast sequence, even though mm-hmm. uh, there were, there wasn't a ton going on necessarily because Sylvie and Loki are kind of in one position, just trying to do their thing, mm-hmm. while classic Loki is conjuring the city. And like we said, super impressive, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not heavy on the discussion side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well then, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and and move in to uh, stray thoughts. And I believe we are starting with me this time. Um, I only have two quick ones, which is um, I love the opening shot of the TVA Mm -hmm. uh, where it's kind of this camera Mm -hmm. shot where it's just slowly turning in degrees, like a 180 until we cycle through the TVA, the timekeeper's throne room, and then eventually meeting up with the Lokis on the void. And I thought that was such a great way to introduce us into this episode, especially with the music. Um, and then my other straight thought, I really enjoyed the flaming sword. And yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is amazing how, uh, I don't know, I was, it's just really cool that Loki's may, able to make summoning a strap for the sword a hero moment. Like that was so <laughs> fun. Like that's all it was. Like somebody else gave him the sword, but him just kind of like doing that body motion and having the uh, the hilt was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about you, Rob? Do you have any uh, more straight thoughts? Uh, yeah, I also have two pretty quickly. One is about two Easter eggs that kind of pop up without going into uh, terrible explanation on them. Uh, the Thanos helicopter yes. stuck out to me. Yes. Uh, I think that's like a little one-off thing from a comic book. That's not overly important mm-hmm. um the other one is a very large version of the yellow jacket helmet mm-hmm. yes yes i didn't I see that, that the really first one yeah i mean either and what but it stuck out the second one i was like wait a minute is that yeah so that must have been his variation is that he figured out how to go giant size mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh yeah oh that's interesting yeah yeah i thought that was super cool 
That was super cool. Um, the only other straight thought is that the ongoing bit about people reacting to the existence of an alligator Loki <laughs> never got old to me. <laughs> Loki's line too of like, and I'm surprised I'm not affected by yeah. it. <laughs> it's great every time. You know, we at the at my daughter's soccer practice. You know, I was talking to uh, a good friend. You know, and another parent of a, uh, a player, but. The, our daughters are friends beyond the team. And it's like, yeah, I'm recording tonight. He got a big smile. Are you going to talk about the alligator Loki? It's <laughs> like, yes, we are. <laughs> How could we not? I know, right? <laughs> Listen, they're making a Funko Pop of the alligator Loki, <laughs> and I want it. And I got to stop, but I want it. <laughs> Funko Pops are dangerous road to go down. Uh, I'm on it. So the, the, the Far From Home leaked Spider-Man, I don't know if they're leaked but anyways. they were put out by Marvel officially, although I've avoided looking at them. Yeah. So I've seen the Funko pops for the Spider-Man's and, and I just came across it. Like I wasn't actively looking for it. I'm going to have to get those, but <laughs> Spider-Man's the one character I have a variety of Funko pops for the others. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I have a black widow. I have a iron man and I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I, I get all the variations. So, so just to wrap that up, I'll say, this weak-willed person looked it up the moment they were leaked. And I, like, I was like, don't do it, don't do it. And I was saying that to myself as my finger was moving to touch like the spoiler preview on Reddit. So I have seen them, but I, I won't describe them. But uh, yeah, getting back to the episode, Jude, do you have any uh, stray thoughts? Uh, yeah, I noticed the opening shot too. Uh, they did that in Black Panther, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. I liked the hourglasses on, that they zoomed into yeah. on the elevator door. That was really cool. But I have to be honest, my first thought was like, Black Widow's coming out soon. <laughs> like, like that's, I saw the Black Widow symbol first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so you had that. I love that when they were drinking the the Lokis together, the kid Loki had a high C. Mm-hmm. thought that was so Oh, fantastic. I didn't notice that. That's good. Yeah. Like they were, he had a little juice box. Uh, that was really fantastic. I think the fight sequence of all the Lokis in the in the Lost Boy hideout thing, it's probably been my favorite fight sequence so far. Yeah. Uh, that one I just really enjoyed. It really worked. Um, the TVA must be massive. And still, like, like, I would think that this moment, right, the, the timekeepers have now been outed as not real in terms of what they've always known, right? Or been, you know, attacked, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, like, how is this not an all hands on deck kind of moment? And and the only thing that makes me saying it's not is like the big ship showed up, and then we it looks like a Quinjet fell out of the sky. So, so the TVA still working. The TVA doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I found that pretty interesting. Um, you know, Thanos's ship uh, was in was in the rubble, not the copter, but his big. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. I know what you're talking about, yeah. 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 Um, was in the rubble. Um, helicopter. Oh, was that Thanos's ship? I thought I saw, um, oh, no, uh, Ronin's. Although they could have both been there, too. Yeah. I know I, exactly which ship you're talking about, and I get them confused, too. Yeah. But I, I think you're thinking of the moment. Just, I don't know if it's Thanos's or Ronin's. You know what? That's a good. They're very similar looking. They are mm-hmm. very similar. Okay. So maybe, maybe it's Ronin's. Um, we'll have to, like I said, I'll watch one of those Easter egg videos and they'll. No, or if you're listening you know. and you know at MC you know on Twitter and Instagram, there you, you can go. let us know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Why did I forget to tag to, to promote that? Or, 
I got you. Wow. I appreciate it. I'm glad there's more than one of us. Um, so I, I was talking with Fran Daniel and he's really hoping that, that the big bad in the end, who's ever going to be in this castle is not another Loki. Mm-hmm. And I'm with him on that. I really hope that that's not another Loki. So what I'm curious about is who do you all think is the big bad at this point? Like, getting into predictions <laughs> may, maybe maybe just just because okay so like that meta knowledge of how stories work mm-hmm. like i don't imagine them introducing a new character at no this point. yeah and so that's why it's like like oh, was it more mobius all along and i don't think it's going to be that mm-hmm. um you know well i mean i said he was the villain at the beginning but then i changed my mind on that so but i i just i don't know at this point like who are they to find in this castle mm-hmm. so so in that, I, I am curious about that. And I do find it interesting that this feels much more like a movie than the other two series. Mm. You know, and now WandaVision style was working a little against it as feeling like a movie because it was intentional sitcom style. Yeah. But the idea that these were supposed to be six hour movies, this one for sure feels much more like a six hour movie than a TV series like the other two did. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because of the three, I think this is the one that's got a lot of rumblings of having a season two. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nothing confirmed, but just there's always rumblings. Mm-hmm. So those are my stray thoughts. And I wanted to end with those, that question of like, who's left? Who could be this big bad? Uh, Rob, do you have any thoughts on that? I do. And it, it goes right into my prediction. Uh, Perfect. Let's go ahead and <laughs> jump right into predictions. Uh, so my suspicion from the beginning of the series is that the timekeepers are either missing or gone or whatever, that they wouldn't be present. People kept trying to follow the rules of the timekeepers. I was just like, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of proven right in that aspect. Uh, but I also think that Ravona is the one that's actually in charge. Even mm-hmm. if she doesn't know why, she is trying to keep the TVA running because the alternative is too much for her to consider. So mm-hmm. out of fear, she was holding the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good prediction. Yeah. Uh, I think if it goes that way, I think I'll be a lot happier with that than I would seeing Lo- another Loki, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll jump in here with my prediction because it, it's not exactly an answer to your question, but it plays off what you're talking about, Rob. Uh, but to quickly answer that question, I feel like we are dealing with what we dealt with in WandaVision about like you can't introduce anyone else at this point. Um, so you almost have to play with the characters that are left. So my prediction is uh, and it'll lead into to what I was saying about you, Rob, is this episode was such a punctuation point on Loki in his character growth that I think next episode we're going to see a shift into a bit more of a focus on Sylvie. And this isn't to say that Loki won't have his moments. Uh, I think he will. But I think the the swan song of this season is going to be Sylvie in that moment where she realizes she gets to change too. Because that moment with B-15 and Ravona, where B-15 says, you want this. She needs this. As much as it's like a like a go get a moment, I do think there is also this idea of how corrosive revenge can be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I expect Sylvie to do what's right because that's who she is as a character. But I expect that big arc will be changing in a way that it doesn't have to define her anymore. And she gets to be whoever she wants to be 
And the way that plays into what you were saying, Rob, I think they're going to pair a storyline with watching Ravona be in that proving ground as well. Not necessarily that she's going to succeed, but I think that will be the arc we see in this final episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so basically, here's my prediction. I'm going to go with you. It's Sylvie's going to have to make a choice mm-hmm. and have to overcome this revenge somehow and, and essentially the moment of growth is being able to walk away from what you've always wanted. Mm-hmm. And Sylvie's going to have to do that in some way. And Ravona won't be able to, I, I think you're on, on that. So, so, okay. If it's another Loki, I could be okay with it. If it's another Sylvie. Okay. Hmm. That, that would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and to circle back to something you said earlier, because I love that all our predictions are really kind of hovering in the same space. Uh, but to circle back to something you said earlier, Rob, where you thought that this show was going to be like, oh, the the titular Loki is Sylvie. Mm. And it mm-hmm. fits in line with what these other Disney Plus shows have done. Even though Wanda and Sam weren't new characters, it was ushering in their solidified presence of like, these are who these characters are moving forward. That would have been such a great way to kind of like shift in like, okay, this is Sylvie moving forward. This is who is going to be our players in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think we're all kind of, we got, I think we're, we're onto something here. Mm -hmm. So does, I'm actually kind of thinking our Loki doesn't make it. I didn't feel that way until Rob brought up that point about like <laughs> potentially making this a Sylvie, the titular Loki. <laughs> yeah. There is one thing to consider that I, I was actually going to email this in at one point, but I'll just ask you because I'm here. Uh, <laughs> there's the, the point and the thing that I always remember. And I didn't really start thinking about it until after WandaVision, when everyone was going Mephisto, 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 uh, Kevin Feige said before all these series started that you cannot watch them and it will not affect your overall viewing of the MCU, like of the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't so see like I, I don't. Well, so like if you if you skipped WandaVision, then Wanda shows up as the Scarlet Witch and you go, OK, she mm-hmm. was kind of head that way anyway. Yeah. Um, if you didn't watch uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, then Sam just accepted the shield and became Captain America. Mm-hmm. Right. We didn't experience the struggle with his choice in doing that, but it's a very like linear progression. Mm-hmm. They've said that Loki has the biggest implications, but it also still fits within that whole t- whole frame of like, if you don't watch this series, it doesn't affect anything else. So it's becoming a weird thing where like people are like, oh, Kang is going to show up. But we know that's not true because it they can't. wouldn't introduce a character like that. Yeah. In the in the series because they can't because that would then affect the movies. So it's I don't know. Is it becoming a weird exercise where like, yes, we're experiencing these stories for the stories themselves, but knowing it doesn't have a larger implication on the movies. Is that a downside of these TV shows? Well, it sent Trey away from the Netflix shows. It did. 100%. Ah. Once once he realized it wasn't canon. Um, that's why he stopped watching them. Mm-hmm. And, and just to like, so well, same thing for agents of shield, right? Yeah. So like to, to, to like speak about how I got to that position, like I, I stopped prioritizing because there's so much to watch. Like there's oh, so yeah. many things fighting mm-hmm. for our attention mm-hmm. that the moment it became like, Oh, these aren't hard canon. They may like connect upwards, but they don't connect downwards anymore. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of like, okay, I don't really need to prioritize it then. I'm sure they're good. I just, mm-hmm. they lost my attention. But I don't know. I might have to think about that. I, I don't, I still feel these are a lot closer connected. Despite oh, absolutely. Me. And they're still canon, but they're not mm-hmm. vital information. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know how long they can keep that up. Yeah, that's my other wonder, because eventually people are going to demand it. Right. Well, it's not just that, but if you're introducing characters like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. and, that, and that you're... And how can you do the Marvels that's going to have Ms. Marvel in it, but Ms. Yeah. Marvel doesn't matter? It's yeah. it's weird. So and, I don't know if that was something right, they Monica said. Monica Rimbo, like, yeah. with the power set. So yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering how true that still holds and when we'll finally see that break. Is this mm-hmm. been a recent statement about like being able to, to watch the movies without seeing the show or was this something- was something I believe he said prior to WandaVision debuting to any yes. of them debuting. It was their, it was their initial uh, declaration because I think they didn't want people to feel overwhelmed that they had to watch everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Depending on how close that statement was to the launch, I would say maybe plans have changed, but yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah. Like if they bring white vision into any movie. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think uh I think you broke our brains here a little <laughs> bit here at the end, Rob. <laughs> well, you know what? There's someone out there um that is going to experience the movie without watching these shows, but see those. Like and I'm yeah. I'm really curious to what their experience is like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I I know there are people out there like I like specifically know people who watched Endgame as their first Marvel movie and Oof. they were still fine. So like, I guess it's the MCU. Like, I love the way it, Tara put it on our episode where she said it's a living document. No, it wasn't <laughs> on our episode. It was when we guessed it on hers. She called it a living document. So I guess with the like the information's there if you want to dive into it. Um, I don't know. I'm circling back again because you, you make a great point. If Sylvie pops up, how do you explain that? Right. Yeah. Unless this is the show that breaks the mold. And I hope they break it sooner rather than later. I'd rather mm-hmm. the shows matter more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Me too. Yeah, yeah that'll be lead to a much more rewarding experience watching them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode. So uh, I just want to say, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, no. Thank you for having me again. I love doing this. Like I said before, I'm at your disposal anytime you want me. I enjoy the heck out of doing this. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I don't know. I'm going to say this here. I don't know if we told you when when you had a tweet and a train, I talked about it (laughs) about, about, about it's a podcast and you, and you had this thing about people saying, well, you know, we're out of time. Oh yeah. Oh man. That's become such an ongoing thing that my friends are ribbing me for now. Well, it's so funny. You've been in my head. Like, like, we, we talked about what's our version of that. Let's, you know, <laughs> I think that's going to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that makes sense though. That totally like we're out of material. That's all we've got for today. But well, like so you f- didn't stop recording early because you ran out of time. You finished talking about the episode. What's so funny though, is you put out that tweet. We had this discussion that very next episode. I subconsciously ended up saying a variation of like, that's the time we have. And like, we had, <laughs> yes, to, yes. we had to stop and start over. Oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> so maybe we can dig that up and, and put that somewhere. But. Yeah. I think we have an intag folder that I think that might be a part of it. So we'll have to yeah. pull it out. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, 
if if you want to follow more of Rob's work and all their delightful uh, insights, make sure that you're following him on the Rob Logan, both on Twitter and Twitch, as well as check out the Quantum Drive podcast, where you can find that at Quantum Drive Pod uh, on Twitter and. Um, I think the easiest way to find a lot of the work you do is thegeekgeneration.com. So highly recommend it. Great work. (laughs) And uh, for this show, if there's anything you'd like to comment on or some suggestions, or like we said, chime in with some things that we didn't quite get with Easter eggs, you can always reach us at Know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to join the Discord, we have a link to the Discord in the show notes as well. And when you go to the Discord, be sure to go to the roll assign, click on the emojis. It'll get you access to all our spoiler channels uh, where you can continue the wonderful conversations uh, that you listen to right there with with us and a lot of our guests. Also, we'd appreciate it if you give a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast. And the best thing you can do for us is share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Rob and Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. That's an episode. Boom. Nice. That was like something I think we've been aware of is how much shorter our Loki episodes have been compared to some of our other ones. Mm-hmm. This was a really great conversation. Like I got to say, I enjoyed this discussion more than I enjoyed the episode. <laughs> just, just because, I mean, I'm, I'm not hating on the episode. The episode was fine, but yeah. like. When I watched it, I was a little like, yeah, but getting into the discussion of it is a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get at us, Kevin Feige, super fan. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I didn't have a Topo Chico and all of a sudden. Okay, hang on. Okay. You know, what's so funny is inadvertently we fulfilled the Rob Logan prophecy. We somehow referenced that that's all the time we had, but not exactly within those words. <laughs> I hope this is the end tag. Just well, you can't now because you said it. I know. I hope this makes the cut. Just so it is on record now. This is the Rob Logan prophecy. Right. If you end your episode with "That's all the time we have," because that tweet was the same day as we recorded. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Um. All right. So. All right. Um, So yeah. So 